0: Did that wake you up? Yeah, we're ready. Well, this past um, week, I was in Home Depot off of Strickland, and I heard a song come on the radio that just took me back. It was a Jackson Brown song, and it just took me back to a time when uh, my dad had gotten this device that, since he was a musician, he got lots of gadgets. And I used to listen to Jackson Brown on this gadget. If you'll throw up a picture of the screen. This is, yeah, hey, 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 this is vintage. This is, this is classic. Um, it's got a boom mic. It's not dual cassette. It, uh, this was before that time. Dual cassette, you could play on one side, the cassette, and then tape on the other one. And this was before it. But what you had to do with this one is when you heard a song like Jackson Brown or something like that, um, and I used to listen to Casey Kasem on the weekend, Top 40, top 40, right? And, you, and I would sit there waiting to hear a song that I liked, and I would hit record. And so I'd hear sticks, I would hear REO Speedwagon, Air Supply, and a couple of those songs I knew the words to. So I'd take that boom mic and bring it over and lay down my own vocals onto this thing. And, and what I did, this is the actual unit. My dad was here first service. He said, I thought I got rid of that thing. I said, Dad, I Googled for like an hour till I could find the exact model. Um, But I have cassettes that have all of my favorites on there. It's like playlists, except the 70s and 80s version of a playlist. But songs have this way of taking us back to a time and a place or maybe even an emotion. That's why you build playlists. Some of you have playlists for when you get out of school in college and you're driving home and you're, you're all excited. Maybe it's when you're leaving on Friday from work or you're going on vacation. You create these playlists that have a theme to them. And usually it brings you back to a place, helps you feel the kind of emotion or brings you right back to that moment. Well, the Bible has a book that's kind of, like a playlist and that's the book of Psalms. It's an Old Testament book and Psalms are really songs. There's over a hundred or there is 150 of these songs and Psalms is the most popular book. It's the most quoted Old Testament book in the New Testament. And these were written for specific events or to express a certain emotion. And we go to Psalms, a lot of times we want to find something out of Psalms, but I guarantee you every time you go there, you will find someone, and that's God. That's what Psalms does for us as we look at these songs. And so over the next seven weeks, when we are in this series, we've got seven weeks. We're going to look at seven Psalms on Sunday, like one a week, but we want you to engage outside of Sunday. And so there'll be more on that later, but we want you to kind of chew on this throughout the week, and so we'll give you a couple others uh, that you can interact with. So today we're going to jump in and start to look at our first Psalm, but I'm going to ask that the ushers come down and get Bibles in your hands because we want you to have God's Word as we go through this. So if you don't have a Bible, this is a gift from the church to you, or if you just need to borrow one, you can use it for this morning. As I prepared for today, this message, I had to, you know, that it starts with reading the text, rereading the text, reading it again, praying, 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 answering questions, and as I read it the first few times, it immediately took me back, as songs can do, back to an event that happened in my life. So I'll share it with you. It was Christmas morning, uh, my senior year in high school. And a little backstory, I. Uh, enjoyed programming. I had a vice principal who knew how to do that, and I would go after school and learn how to program. So this is my senior year. I'm gonna go to college next year, so what did I want for Christmas? I wanted a computer, and I wanted a specific computer. I wanted a TI-99 Model 4A computer with 16K of memory, eight colors. This was big back then. But that's what I wanted. And I knew the, the, the box size that it should come in. So that day I got up really early. I wanted to see if Santa got there that night. So nobody else got up. I went and there was this box. Perfect size, about this big, about that deep. And I could picture that computer being in there. I had to wait till everybody got up. They finally get up. And we get the go-ahead to go rip the paper. And I open this thing up. It's not a computer. It is luggage. (laughs) Maroon luggage, fake leather. (laughs) With a note from Santa that said, figured you'd need this going to college. Somebody in the first service said, there was a computer in there, right? In the luggage. I said, no, that's it. I wanted a computer. I got luggage. My dad was here first service. He said, you will not let go of that, will you? (laughs) That's why this week I was hounding them. Can you find the picture of me opening that present? Because I had the worst face on there. (laughs) Have you ever experienced that where you want something, but you experience something else? Every one of us wants a life that's like this, that's full. Why is it that many of us experience this kind of life? We all want this. We want a full life. We want a joyous life, a happy life, one that is filled with self-control. But why is it that we experience hurt and anger and frustration This tends to be the reality for us. And I want to go to Psalm 1 because it speaks to that very thing. It talks to us about why that might happen. Because I want you to hear this, it is possible to have this kind of life. So we go here into this Psalm to say, what do we have to do? or how can we experience that? So let's jump in. Verse one of Psalm one. We read, oh, the joys of those. And right there, I stop because hopefully for you, like me, I start to lean in here. Like, I wanna listen to this because I think it has to do with that right there. And so I'm going to listen. Some of your translations will say, happy are those, or blessed are those. That's because the original word is it's really happy, but more than happy the way we know it, it means twice blessed. And I hear that and I'm drawn to it because that's what I want. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. I love the way this is kind of written. It's kind of engaging and and very simple. And it's telling that a blessed person avoids this kind of thing. It's kind of a promise, but it's not a promise where, oh, if you do this, then there's good fortune if you have this good behavior. It's, It's not that. Psalms knows that that's not the kind of thing that will happen in real life. Look at Psalm 42, Psalm 73, that would show otherwise that it's not just good uh, behavior that will lead to a good life. Rather, there's something about this commitment to God and living a right life that seems to yield a blessed life, one that we're drawn to. Look at the verbs in this verse, follow, follow. Stand around and join in. It, to me, it has this progression, this kind of movement about it. You can almost picture it following somebody, standing with them, kind of starting to listen, and then joining in with them. A progression, follow. following them, standing, and then joining in. And... and the psalm says, we are not supposed to do that kind of thing with the wicked, with sinners and mockers. And I read that and I was like, well, I don't walk with the wicked. So like, what are we getting at here? What's, it, what's this all about? And it's this, attention influences direction. That who I'm giving my attention to, it will influence my, the direction of my life as I let people influence me. These who are labeled mockers, sinners, and wicked, those are what the Bible would call the ungodly. What is it? It's simple. It's people who leave God out of their life or compartmentalize him to a Sunday. That's a Sunday thing. And so I'm not to follow, to stand, and eventually join in. But as I get on that progression, my attention will influence the direction of my life. This happens at all ages. It doesn't just have to be for the youth. I'm going to give an example of where this happened as a youth, but I've seen it play out in my life in other ways. In my home, my mom and dad instilled values in us and and, and beliefs. They called them the perry so, dad would teach us the perryisms. This is the way the perrys live. This is the way you're supposed to represent and be respectful in, in society. And this was in seventh grade when this happened. And my mom and dad uh, worked for the school system, so they knew everyone. Well, I started, I lived out those perryisms pretty good, uh, you know, up until seventh grade. Then I started following some people literally in the hallway, but following them. Friends started standing with them, listening to them, and then joining in on what they were doing. It was art class, we had a substitute teacher. Well, my friends said, let's mess with the substitute today. So why don't we do this? He's having us draw a picture, why don't we draw that picture the way an immature teenage boy would draw that picture? So I was like, this violates all the parryisms. This like breaks the rules of the principle. Rob, it would be fun. Just do it. I did it. I can tell you it was not a blessed day <laughs> that day. I can tell you that influence yeah, who you give your attention to influences your direction because the only direction I was going in was straight to the principal's office that day. I got my first detention, and then I had to go sit down with mom and dad as they sat and talked to me about who you let influence in your life and where that can lead you because our attention influences our direction all of us associate with people. All of us want advice or seek advice from others, and we want to be accepted from others. But Psalm 1 is telling us that those who are blessed are called to avoid seeking influence from the ungodly. So who are you following? Who are you starting to stand with because eventually you're gonna join in with what they're doing, and the consequences of that is that right there. I've experienced it too much. We can do this in so many different areas. Think financially. What happens with all of this is we start to look at people, and they appear to have what we want, and so we start to follow them. We look and we say, help me get financially, maybe to get caught up or to get just a little bit ahead. But there are so many voices out there that you can follow. And so you can do it the right way and save and have a budget, or you can start to play some of these schemes that get rich quick. You can gamble. I see people end up not only gambling, but then stealing. It started by just Following, standing by others that are saying, This is for your family. And where it led was an endless search for money, never getting enough. And for some, you end up in trouble with the law. Happens in our careers. Fresh out of college, hey, pour yourself into this job. You do it, it will mean the the world for your family. You're going to get promotions. With the promotions comes financial incentive, with that comes influence but they don't tell you that you're not home and your family's gonna be stressed, your relationships are gonna be strained, if not broken. And then you get on the other side of that and you realize the project never ends. There's never like getting ahead doesn't stop. And you're always living in fear because you're looking behind you to see who's gonna overtake you and threaten your influence. Fitness. We look at people with all the different methods of how to look a certain way. Because the world seems to say, if you look like that, you know, that's great. You get all this kind of attention. The P90X body or the CrossFit. You start to follow that. We should exercise. This, is the, this body is a temple of the Lord. We should. So don't hear me saying don't exercise. But we go and we expect that result and I don't get the six-pack. I get like one little thing right there. <laughs> and I puke all over myself from doing too many burpees. But it doesn't, seriously, it, it doesn't end up going that way. Take dating. Big thing. For high schoolers, college, single life, people think, Oh, you have a girlfriend or boyfriend? that Like, life is only good if you're in relationship with somebody. So you go and you seek that, and you realize, well, one, you can't always, like dating is an up and down. You may be in a relationship or not. And you find out that when you're not, you feel rejected. You feel like nobody loves you. You wonder if there's meaning and purpose in life because the world has told you otherwise. Verse one here, the blessed person is somebody who does not allow the ungodly to influence them. So if we're not to do those things, what are we to do? Look at verse two. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. So often we think, hey, I've got to stop meeting with somebody. I've got to stop doing this behavior or this habit has got to stop. True, but it's so much more than that. Here it's saying we are to delight in God's teaching, his word, the Bible. It means literally to take pleasure in, to desire, to long for this. I gotta tell you, those are words that I use for food. I was just driving this week, I was with Kim in the car. We were going to Chipotle and I said, I can, I can almost taste. I desire the lime salt on those chips and I can almost feel what it's gonna be like on the chicken. See, we're supposed to have that on God's word. Spiritual food, we're to delight in God's word in that way. But so often, it doesn't feel like that, does it? As we go and study it, it's more like a burden or a chore like studying for a test or running a race. We love crossing the finish line. We love getting the A on the test. But talk about the training, talk about the studying, Mm, not too sure about that. Well, so it is with our spiritual lives as well. We love a life that God watches over and blesses, but... We're not too keen on what it takes to follow. But Psalm 1 is saying that those who experience this blessed life, one of which spiritual happiness and joy flows out of, they desire to know God's word. And unless we seek the eternal, that we seek God in, in something eternal, we're going to turn to the temporary for sustenance. That's what we're going to go for. If we don't seek that, we're going to go here and we're going to realize the consequences. We are, we're not only to delight in God's word, but we are, it says, to meditate on it day and night. Whew. Meditate on it. What's that mean? It actually means to mumble to oneself an activity to actually understand what you're reading. I have a great image for me that when I think meditating, I was in the hallway at IBM in 2000, 2001. I can't remember when this was. Just me and this guy in the hallway. And I'm behind him and he's walking, no phone up to the ear. And I hear, what time is it? Except a little so, what time is it? I'm looking, he has nobody by his side. So I'm like, it is 11.10. And he doesn't acknowledge, like, thank you for giving me the time. Okay, we keep walking. And he says, well, if I'm going to do that, I'm going to need your help. I don't know this guy. I'm like, okay, I'll help you. My name's Rob. And then he turns and says, okay, just call me after the meeting's done this was when the Bluetooth earpiece just came out. So I saw this guy mumbling down the hall like this. And what an image for me when I'm thinking of God's word, as I read it in the morning, to be walking about like this guy in his daily life. He was doing something different, but I'm thinking about interacting with God's word enough so that I'm starting to understand it and internalize it and that it will make a difference. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, who is a a German theologian, he captures this really well in a a book called Life Together that I want to read you a, a quote from. The word of scripture should never stop sounding in your ears and working in you all day long, just like the words of someone you love. And just as you do not analyze the words of someone you love, but accept them as they are said to you, Accept the word of scripture and ponder it in your heart until it has gone right into you and taken possession of you. I love that word, possession. That it would take control of me, that it would transform me. I would be different because of time in the word, that it would influence me. A blessed man, a blessed woman engages with God's word in such a way. It's like meditation is to the soul to this person as digestion is to the body. That's how important God's word is. So what would this blessed person be like? Look at verse three. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither and they prosper in all that they do. And when I read that verse... I had two images come to mind. If you've never been to the back here where the community garden is, you need to go back there because it's an amazing site and the people are doing an amazing thing there. Ask them what it's all about and they'd be glad to tell you. But as you're walking up that path, there are fruit trees that are along the path. I had an image of those and then I thought of the river, the Neuse River, which is about one mile away. And so I emailed uh, Aaron Shetler who is one of the leaders there, one of the pioneers that helped get that started. And he is like a walking encyclopedia for horticulture and application stuff, and he's the most humble guy. And so I wrote an email and I said, hey, what if you planted those fruit trees not along the path, but one mile away at the bank of the Neuse River? And he went on, he replied, you know, real quickly, and he said, well, fruit trees on elevated ground, which this would be over here, they tend to dry out more quickly. And then in a hot summer, they would not produce as much fruit because of the stress of not having enough moisture, they would drop their leaves. But then he said, but if you plant that same tree where there is constant moisture, like at the Neuse River, an endless supply of water which carried the nutrients to the plant, then that tree would produce more fruit a longer period of time, be able to not even flinch with the stress of the summer, the the heat and the stress of the summer. And then he said something that I I haven't ever thought about and I just take for granted when I look at a tree. Here's what he said, I wrote it down. Rob, when you see an oppressive tree at maturity, you are seeing an organism that grew in an optimal environment with access to proper nutrition and moisture, which made it manage stress more gracefully. You see, trees and Christians need water. We, as Christ followers, we need spiritual water. If we want to see the fruit in our life, We need that spiritual water. And so here's the truth. My fruitfulness depends on where I put down my roots. Again, if I put my roots down to the visible world to get by in life, then my well-being is going to rise and fall with how that is going how are the relationships going? How is Kim liking me right now? How's Donnie think I'm doing in the job? How's that little retirement I got from IBM? Is the 401k doing okay? If that's where I put down my roots, then my well-being is going to rise and fall. That is not a planted life. That is a movable, shakable life. Our roots need to go down into something much deeper. And in the Bible, you read the Spirit of God is is often uh, related to water. You see Jesus in John chapter 4 and 7 talking about this Spirit of God being the living water that you will never thirst for those who believe in him are given the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, that endless supply of living water, that life. See, those who live in such a way to put down their roots, fruit isn't a luxury then. Fruit is a byproduct of living out that kind of faith where we're knowing and we're acting. And that's the the key, an active faith. Sure, we all here today and we're we're getting to know, okay, we're, we're to know to avoid ungodly influence. And we are to delight in God's word and meditate on it. We know that. That's important. That's good. But that doesn't get us this. It takes more than that. We have to know and we have to act on what we're learning. The brother of Jesus, James, says this, chapter one. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourself. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, you walk away, and you forget what you look like. There's this tie here of waking up, looking in a mirror, and it's connecting it to looking into God's word, to the truth. There's a connection. We've all seen the guy who has woken up Looked in the mirror, and his hair's all over the place. Not a problem for me. (laughs) Sleep in his eyes, but turns from the mirror, and then you see this this guy in Starbucks. And you're looking at him, and you're like, you don't say, I don't say this, but I, dude, did you look in the mirror today? You would have combed your hair if you did. Did your family say to you, Are you going out like that? Yeah. You better go check in the mirror again. Why? Just get back there. You see, we can look in the mirror, but if we're not doing anything with what we're seeing, we can't expect life change. On Sundays, we're coming in, we're looking at God's word, we're putting it before us like a mirror and seeing God's magnificence. We're seeing his faithfulness, his love, his mercy. We're seeing our inadequacies, but we're drawn to him. But if it ends right there, we all leave knowing we can't expect life change. We've got to do something about it. Look at verse 25. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. God blesses those who know his ways and live them out. And this kind of life doesn't happen by default. It takes intention. It takes practice. Yeah, but I'm busy. Okay, If you're doing zero of this now, take five minutes. And here's how I'll say divide up your five minutes. Spend two minutes reading God's word and spend three minutes living it out. So often we can just know, help me know God's word, help me know God's word, spend all of our time here, but we're called to live this out as well. And we wanna help you practice. So on the screen, you'll see a Facebook page that we would love for you. If you're on Facebook, subscribe to LifePoint Summer Playlist. If you're not on Facebook, then grab your pen and on your Connect card, just write Summer Playlist. What's this all about? If you're on the Facebook page, then for the next seven weeks, what we're going to do every day, we're going to post a, a psalm starting tomorrow. Post a different psalm and then we want you to interact with it. We will post, hey, here's the psalm, here's our observation on the truth, and here's application of what we're seeing, i.e. the living it out. And and we're hoping that you will engage, you will read the psalm, and then you read it in such a way that you're saying, what does it say? Not what I want it to say. What does it say, and what am I gonna do about it? And at the top of the page, There'll be a a post that's pinned. It will stay there the whole time. We just give a method that you could use. You may already have one. Great. You don't have to look at this. But this method's called SOAP. Scripture, application, I can't spell. Scripture, observation, application, and prayer. Go there, read what it's about. And then when the psalm comes out each day, use that to reflect, to understand, and then to live it out Because a growing spiritual life, one that's stable, it takes action. I can't meditate for you. You cannot live out godly ways for me. I have to do that. You have to do that. And you and I have a choice on what we want to do. We know where our ways lead. We know where they lead. But look at verse six. As someone, this is where we'll leave it today. Look at what God promises for those who follow His ways. For the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. God watches over the path of those who follow His ways, who know and live out His ways. What if you stopped following? standing around and joining in with those that don't include God in their equation? What if you stopped doing that? Because that spot leads to debt, leads to rejection, leads to guilt, shame, insecurity. But what if instead we planted ourselves? along the riverbank of life with God and whom our belief in Christ gives us the Holy Spirit and we know his ways, we trust his ways and we anchor our roots and our faith down in him. You see, the fruit of that kind of life, it doesn't lead to debt, it leads to freedom. It doesn't lead to insecurity. It leads to a secure identity in Christ. It doesn't lead to shame and guilt. It leads to grace, forgiveness, and mercy. That is a blessed life. Let me pray. Father, we just thank you that you know what it takes to live fully in this life, I pray for me, I pray for each one here that you would help us to see who we are allowing to have influence in our life. Lord, don't remove us from the world, but may we be in it and living out your ways and that we would seek, God, seek influence from godly people and then help us to not only know your ways, but to step out and live them. May you be glorified and in the process, we be blessed. And it's in your son's name I pray. Amen.